Welcome back, everybody, to the Great Adventure Podcast. My name is Dave Burr, along with my co-host, Dave LeMasters. And today we have a guest, which we are excited to get his testimony. And Dave, I'm going to turn it over to you to introduce. Great. Welcome, everybody. And this is another testimony time, which will be uh, published in the next few days. Uh, I want to introduce a, a good friend of mine. Of You know, Wayne, I was thinking that uh, I've known you for almost a decade yeah, it's been about that long. Okay, maybe eight years, but that's pretty doggone <laughs> close to a decade. Pretty so, close. ladies and gentlemen, our guest speaker tonight is Mr. Wayne. Wayne, would you like to uh, introduce yourself a little bit and tell us a little bit about you? Yeah. I'm Wayne. I'm 80 years old, and uh, I first met the Lord when I was 17. I committed my life to Him when I was 33. And I started walking with him fully when I was 50. During that time, the Lord showed me his grace, his mercy, and above all, his love and patience. I was born in uh, January of 1943 in the height of the war. I'd never knew my father. Uh, my mother uh, worked at a munition plant in Mobile, Alabama. And for the first three years of my life, I lived with my grandmother and uh, six brothers and sisters. I was born in January. My uncle, James, was born in December. So they were only a month apart. And we grew up together. And I always had a fondness for him, even though I had very little contact with him after the age of five. Hmm. In fact, the my son is named in honor of him. But anyway, back to my story. The first uh, few years of, of my life were uh, happy, but it soon changed. My grandfather died uh, about six months after I was born, in uh, 1946, my mother married uh, my stepfather, and in 1948, we moved to eastern Washington. Uh, my mother was happy to leave um, Florida uh, and Alabama. She was a person with a lot of secrets uh, that she maintained throughout her life. Consequently, it was hard to really be close to a person that you really didn't know. And my stepfather and I were not really a lot of fondness for either one, one of us. Though his father, my grandfather, he and I were real close. And uh, for three years, he, he was instrumental in my life. And then one day he was killed in a logging accident. So again, I'd lost someone that was really important in my life. Mm -hmm. And from that time on, uh, James had uh, caught scarlet fever and he had passed away uh, when I was eight. And that was a big loss. And then going on, my grandmother in Florida passed away uh, two years after James and two years after that my grandmother 
here in Washington had passed away. So in early life, I had a lot of tragedy, which made me really feel alone. Mm -hmm. And uh, no one really to confide in. So you just kind of go with what's around you. And sometimes uh, uh, the people around you aren't <laughs> the best influence. <laughs> Consequently, uh, I uh, grew up not really appreciating other people. I stayed away from them uh, for the most part because I was fearful of their life. As a youngster, I probably did everything that everyone else has done, probably a little more so. Uh, I wasn't a real honest person. I wasn't really um, a good person at all, especially with the people that I met. And in my early teens and late teens, I didn't treat uh, especially... Uh, women that I came in contact with. I didn't treat uh, them with any respect at all. I had a, an idea that I would only date a person once unless there was a real interest in a uh, lasting relationship. Consequently, there was only one person that I ever dated more than once <laughs> during those times. The friendships that I made along the way in the college um, were sincere, but they weren't lasting in the sense that I really didn't have a commitment to continue. And that just added a lot to my loneliness because uh, unless you have lasting friends, uh, it's just really difficult. Uh, in high school, it was the age of the automobile, um, the big engines, and everything had speed. Uh, the cars at that time didn't have a good front-end suspension, and the roads really didn't uh, handle speed. Consequently, I lost three other good friends in high school in car accidents. Mm -hmm. One, I caused myself. And I always had a, a feeling of guilt uh, for the death of a, a friend. And yet uh, the others that were in the car never once held me uh, responsible for that. Mm. Um, I was never cited for the accident or anything like that, but that didn't make that feeling of guilt any better. Right. Now, I met the Lord when I was 16, uh, 17, I'm sorry. My cousin Tom and uh, a close friend of his, uh, we decided that we would float the Wenatchee River. And uh, the 6th of June, uh, the river was not in flood stage, but it was still extremely high. If you look at a river during the summer, uh, you could imagine five or six feet more in depth uh, with the water. Mm. Uh, <clears throat> I always had a, a hankling to, uh, as you leave Leavenworth, uh, the river drops about 200 feet in about a quarter of a mile, and it's called Hobo Gulch, and I always had a, a desire to float that, and 
That day we got into the river, we had wetsuits and uh, inner tubes, <laughs> which was crazy because the first little ripple we hit, all of the inner tubes went sky high and uh, <laughs> the two others got out of the river immediately. Uh, I grabbed my inner tube and pulled it over my head and shoulders. I was determined to float down through that passage. Now. I never once had a thought of suicide, but I knew that in realization that there was a possibility that I wouldn't live through this event. And as I came to the first uh, bridge, uh, the supports that had um, a large amount of rocks um, and logs piled up against the bridge support, and at the last moment, it swept me around that, and I realized that staying in the main current of the river uh, was probably the safest place to be. I headed down this really rapid descent, and the next thing I remembered was about three miles down the river, I came to uh, conscious again, and... I floated on down, went through uh, Peshastin, and the river takes a large turn going to the far side of the valley. And at that point was the only people other than the two that I started with that ever saw me in the river. It was a young boy. He was uh, raking the leaves up to burn, and he saw me ran into the house and his mother and father came out and they were waving and shouting and of course I couldn't hear and I thought I was pretty cool. I just leaned back and waved. <laughs> uh, the river then picked up speed and I wasn't aware that it went through a gulch and the first big wave, I went to the bottom of the wave and looked up and it must have been 10, 12 feet ab uh, above me. Oh, my goodness. And when it crashed down, it just shoved me all the way to the bottom of the river, and I pushed off as hard as I could and made it to the surface just in time to catch another breath and another wave crashing down on me. Uh, it was interesting. Uh, I can remember the river was a dark green, brownish in color. And yet at the bottom of the river, I can still see the smallest little pel uh, <laughs> uh, rocks and pebbles. <clears throat> anyway, by the time the second wave hit me, um, I don't remember anything for the next mile and a half. And at that point, I was passing under the first Dryden Bridge, and it was a low bridge. Did you still have your inner up, tube at this point? Yeah, I still had the inner tube. Wow. That's the only thing that gave me buoyancy other than the wetsuit. Yeah. Um, as I passed under the bridge, uh, I looked up, and my cousin and friend were there. And I decided at that point it was pretty much time to get out of the river so I used the current and went into a current that uh, wasn't as strong as the main uh, current in the river. 
and there was a rock about 20 feet out in the river, and I was passing between the rock and the shore, and when I did, all of a sudden, I was caught by my chest on a log that was about a foot under the water, mm. and at that point, I was pinned. I I tried pushing over, uh, up and over the log, but I couldn't. And the water was strong enough that it was running up my back and shoving my head down into the <laughs> uh, water. And at that point, I would push on the log and raise my head up and uh, catch a breath. And I knew that at that time... Uh, uh, my friends were on the shore, but they couldn't help me. <laughs> I was in a predicament. So I said, uh, God, if you're really real, I need your help. <laughs> and at that moment, uh, there, was a, there was never a sense of panic uh, the whole trip in the river. Never. There seemed to be... A, and an awareness that said, uh, go under the log, just relax. And I thought about it for a moment, and I thought, well, what if there's branches underneath that log? Mm -hmm. Or what? Uh, whether a branch had broken off just big enough to catch my head and tear it off. And it said, again, just relax. I did and I shot under that log, and I came up uh, probably 30 feet down the river. Mm. And I went on until the river kind of flattens out just before Kashmir. And uh, I was able to get to the shore and grab a, a tree branch. And I was holding on to it, and hyperthermia had set in enough that I didn't have the strength to get out of the river, and out of nowhere, <laughs> my cousin and friends showed up, <laughs> and they uh, pulled me out. I never once thanked the Lord for that. I just considered it luck. <laughs> and I went on with my life and uh, started a career, and those opportunities were really good for me. In six years, I, I became a store manager I had 45 employees under me at that point, and I continued uh, advancing, partially uh, because of my innovation uh, and uh, business concepts, and also, too, uh, uh, I had a mentor that uh, was looking after me, and later he became president of the corporation, which didn't hurt my mm -hmm. uh, opportunities either. Mm -hmm. Anyway, during that time, I expected from each of my employees more than what they were willing to give. Those who were interested in advancing themselves uh, looked to me for help. Uh, but the average employee, uh, uh, I didn't really treat him real well. Uh, I didn't have a, a real good sense of being liked, which 
I never really was bothered by being disliked. Anyway, at that point, um, Lorraine and I had been married for several years, and our children, uh, she'd had uh, two children in a previous marriage, and uh, she and I had a son together, James. At that point, uh, we started attending a church, um, and we attended several churches, mainly because we really didn't know what we were looking for. We only knew what we didn't like. And after about a year, we went to Briar Community Church for the first time. And on the front doorsteps uh, to greet was a man by the name of Jesse Lease. And he reached out his hand, and I reached out to shake his hand. And before I knew it, he had me in a hug, and I really didn't care for that because <laughs> I did not grow up in a family that hugged one mm. another. And uh, anyway, uh, we had to come back the following week because uh, the pastor uh, had been on vacation. And from that point on... Uh, I didn't mind being hugged, and Jesse and Irma were instrumental in, in uh, sharing with us what it was to look for in accepting the Lord, mm-hmm. and they were instrumental in our lives. About a year later uh, was probably the happiest day of my life uh, business-wise. I had just been selected to manage a new store, it would be 55,000 square feet, whereas most of the stores at that time were around 25,000 square feet. Uh, The opportunities were immense, uh, 250 employees. It was a big advancement, and yet it was only the beginning because I realized with this opportunity within a a year or so, uh, I would be given even a bigger opportunity. Mm. And just uh, uh, to be in respect, at that time, the corporation had 55,000 employees. I was one of 260 managers. Uh, The next step would be one of 68 So it was a real good opportunity, and it was on a Sunday morning. Uh, I was uh, getting ready for church. Um, I had leathered my face up for shaving, and I looked in the mirror, and I didn't like what I saw. Hmm. And at that point, I asked the Lord to uh, help me with my life. And I committed myself to him, and it was probably the greatest feeling I've—well, I know it was the greatest feeling because it was (laughs) the biggest miracle of my life. Uh, I felt loved and wanted. Uh, And I also saw a lot of hurts— 
And and later uh, I learned uh, in reading the Bible and everything that uh, Jesus, when he entered Jerusalem, he wept. And a lot of people would probably think he was weeping because in three days he would be crucified. But no, he wept for the people. Mm-hmm. Yep. He saw how people treated one another. And even in Isaiah, which was 700 years before Jesus, it said that he would be a man of sorrow. And again, people associate it with the crucifixion. But the man of sorrow, he was both God and man that was walking on this earth and seeing people, how they rejected God and how they rejected one another for their own gain. And I came to the realization at that point that a lot of those hurt people I had caused myself. And yet the Lord was willing to forgive me for all of that. And I don't talk about in detail what my past evil life was mainly because I don't want to revisit something that I have been forgiven for. Yeah. Just like the trophies in my life, I could tell you several things that I did accomplish, but those are only for the moment. Uh, I want something that's more in the future. Anyway, after giving my life to the Lord, uh, I continued in business, um, My success was replaced by an inner peace of helping people. I don't think I was totally beloved by everyone, but I know that I did help many people to help themselves. I always tried to help a person to achieve what they wanted by means that they themselves uh, used. So none of the praise would go to me. I was successful in helping a young lady uh, in the uh, central part of uh, Seattle uh, with a full scholarship to Southern uh, California University in business. I helped a young man (laughs) because he wouldn't cut his hair (laughs) an opportunity uh, to advance in the company once he did, and later he became a vice president of the company. So there there were successes, but, and again, it wasn't what I had done. It was only what maybe was initiated that they themselves accomplished. I don't take credit for any of it because uh, the Lord was behind all of it. And today is pretty much the same way. I really don't know um, what lies ahead for me. Uh, The things that I've learned in walking with the Lord, it's easier to share with a non-believer how the Lord has directed me in a different direction and changed my life for better 
than to share scriptures that they might not even know or understand or be interested in. Mm -hmm. Sharing my life story sometimes puts a person at ease, so later they themselves might share their life's concern too. We are only a part of God's plan, and it will succeed. What lies ahead for me, I really don't know. (laughs) Uh, Whatever way he directs me, I want to be ready and available for him when he calls. But in the meantime, when there's an opportunity to share my life story as to how he's forgiven my past and turned me to do better for others, better than, than what I was able to do yesterday, because he's always improving me. Uh, we walk with the Lord, not that it's always easy, but it brings peace. Yeah. And I haven't been lonely since mm-hmm. I came to know the Lord. Amen. Amen. So thank you for sharing that with that, Wayne. Um, you said something that I myself has said, you know, God, if you're so real, if you really are real, then do something about it. We kind of bargain with God. <laughs> At that point, though, did you have an inkling that there was God with you? Because God walks with us. God is closer to us than the air we breathe. We just have to stop and take time to acknowledge it. But you said you didn't really thank him for saving your life, basically. And I'm sure you did later on. But what really got your attention? Well, it was a situation that I had no other hope or choice. It's kind of like an atheist in a foxhole. (laughs) You reach out for anything that you can. And it's amazing. You know, he could have let me drown, but that wasn't part of his story. Right. My life story is his story. It's not mine. Yeah, truthfully, I was just reaching out for anything that could deliver me. Yeah. When you saw your face in the mirror, uh, it's that same face that you've seen for 50 years. And all of a sudden, there is a change that morning, right? What did, what did you see that made you want to change all of a sudden? The ugliness that's behind that face that I knew, you know, I, I wasn't considered an evil person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't considered being a bad person. Mm-hmm. But I knew myself. I think at some point in everyone's life, they have to take a moment and be totally honest with themselves. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that comes with the Holy Spirit that's arousing those thoughts. I don't know. I just saw an ugliness beneath that face. Yeah. The world would have said that you were very successful. You had made all these different advancements in your career, and yet you weren't happy. You, were, you didn't have that joy. Well, s- some of it was pretense on my part. 
Because if you act dumb, people don't expect much from you. <laughs> and when you do achieve something, they're surprised. Hmm. So when you uh, so when you went back to work, you've made this change. You've you've asked Jesus into your heart to change you, and now you have this uh, you have this desire to help people. People at work, though, they still know the old Wayne. They don't know the new Wayne, right? True. So how did that, uh, I'm, I'm imagining that took some time to kind of break those walls down to, for people to realize that this is a different Wayne than we've known before. That's true. And especially, um, it's with family members and, you know, I, I to be honest, uh, a lot of people said, well, that's good for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it kind of hurt me because I, I wanted them to experience that too. Now, I've come to the realization that that it was for the wrong motives. Um, I wanted them to prosper. And in actuality, when you come to the Lord, you're giving Him the glory. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it, and the benefits that come with him comes later. Um, but for the most part, uh, the family members, uh, you just pray for them. Yeah. And, you know, I've been praying for a long time and just recently, uh, my sister has been indicating that she accepted the Lord mm -hmm. and my daughter in Canada, likewise. Wow. Now, I haven't confronted them directly mm -hmm. since, but uh, within the coming days, I will, how much I'm pleased. Mm -hmm. um, because I want them, you know, a, a lot of people accept the Lord on pretense of having a better life. And unless you make a commitment, uh, salvation is two parts. One, turning from sin and turning to follow the Lord. Yeah. And some people can do one or the other, but many people don't do both. Mm. And so it's a little benefit to a person unless they do. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, well, we've talked about this in several of our podcasts is, is doing that 180 degree turn away from that sinful lifestyle and going completely away from it and going towards God. Right. And uh, uh, it takes time. It takes effort. And, uh, and a lot of people aren't willing to to do that. They want a quick and easy fix. Yeah. All too often, that's not really how it works. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's a saying we say is that, um, every disciple is a Christian, but not every Christian is a disciple. Amen. Mm. Yeah. And so what our prayer is that people, uh, ask for that fire in their belly, that yearning, that, um, hunger for God's word and to follow him because you're right. Becoming a Christian doesn't mean life gets easier, right? Sometimes it actually gets more difficult. However, you get more joy, peace, 
comfort, love, you name it, is that there are tangible benefits to serving others, helping others, and following God's commands. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Amen. So Wayne, before we uh, hit the uh, hit the record button, we were talking, and you had said you had written six sermons and had preached, and and uh, but you said that's not really what you feel led that your what your gift is. And so as you head, uh, you're 80 years old now, and so you're looking for like, all right, God, so I'm not really sure where you have what you have in store for me, but I'm open. Right. So what's your passion? What, what do you enjoy doing and where, how do you see God using that, uh, in the future? Oh, I've asked him many, many times and, (laughs) um, for the most part, I haven't seen a real direction toward a ministry Mm -hmm. other than just being available. Um, so many people, start to do good for God. And they do a lot of things in the name of the Lord for the wrong reasons. Mm -hmm. And the scripture says that he doesn't know those people. It isn't what we do for the Lord because he could have rocks do what we do. Mm -hmm. Um, But rather a willingness to respond to his call. Yeah. And I'm available. Yeah. Well, and that's what he calls us to be too, right? Be available. Yeah. Amen. It's funny. Dave and I, as we were driving over here, we were talking about uh, our youth and uh, how many times that we uh, easily <laughs> could have been taken away and uh, stupid stuff that we've done as kids. And obviously the your testimony is 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 like that too. We could have died many times over, and yet here we are. And so God obviously has a plan for each of us, and uh, he's not ready to take us home. So I would just say that to everybody that's listening to this podcast as well, is that you're alive because God has a plan for you, and keep seeking after it. Absolutely. You know, no matter yeah. what your age, you know, whether you're 20, 40, 60, or 80, or, or even more, that God... Uh, uh, God has a plan for you and, uh, and to be open and ready for his call in, at all times. And God will find the time, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, and when my time is up, you know, I hope that I've accomplished at least part of what he's called me to do. Yeah. Yeah. We all want to hear the words good and faithful servant, you know, when we're well done, <laughs> well done, good and faithful servant. Yeah. And, uh, so that's the, that's the highest honor I think that we can, we can possibly get. So, uh, Dave, any last questions for Wayne? No, thank you for sharing with us. Uh, you know, part of your life and your, <clears throat> your beginnings and really appreciate you, Wayne. Absolutely. Yeah. A lot of wisdom for sure. Wayne, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, folks, we appreciate you listening and uh, we will have more testimonies here in the future as well. Thank you for listening to the Great Adventure Podcast and we will see you on the next one. Thanks, everybody. God bless. Take care. God bless.